0: Hi, I'm Jesse David Fox, and this is Good One. Vulture's podcast about jokes and those who sing them? Yes, singing. See, see, each week I have a comedian, comedy writer, or director on to play and talk about one of their jokes. But this time the joke is a song from a musical. Our guest this week is Tim Minchin, the Australian comedic sensation famous for his wry, sardonic compositions and, you know, and funny hair. No, I did not ask him if his jokes were counterclockwise. Who told you that? I invited him on to talk about one of the songs he wrote for the Groundhog Day musical, which was nominated for Seven Tonys. It's actually his his second multiple-tony-nominated show in a row after he wrote the music and lyrics for Matilda. You've seen Groundhog Day, the movie, right? So I don't have to kind of explain the plot. Just know that there, there are some alterations, which Tim and I discuss, but essentially follows the same guy reliving the same day over and over again plot. The song he picked is Stuck, which comes about 20 minutes into the show, right after Phil has experienced the same day three times. The song is an attempt to find an explanation. So first you'll hear the song, and then Tim and I. And as an added bonus, uh, you'll also hear my keyboard that I brought to the recording, so you can kind of play some of his answers instead of having to just kind of say them out loud. And one more bonus for this bonus episode, I invited my friend and Good One theme song composer, Justin D. Wright, to the studio to help ask Tim kind of more music theory uh questions. You know, what a group, what an episode, what a podcast, what a song. So here is that song, Stuck, with music and lyrics by Tim Minchin, sung by Andy Carl and the rest of the cast of Groundhog Day. I have a
1: degree in alternative therapy, took an online course for a week or two. Maybe we should. I think we should begin with bit of Reiki. Reiki. Unblock your chi. What's chi? It's doobie doobie tra la la. It's holistic therapy. What does that mean? It's energy. Vibrations and something magnets and doobie diddly pom pom pom. Now piss.
0: What? Piss. I just piss
1: into
2: this.
0: I don't
1: have.
2: I'll analyze your isotopes and something something quantum quantum.
1: I'm stuck. I'm just... I think you're allergic to gluten. Stuck. i am It's like I feel like
0: I'm trapped in a loop. Like I'm unstuck in Well, time. I think cutting
1: out gluten is I'm the smartest solution. Fine. Better a diet of soup. Soup? Made of rhino foreskin. I think I've lost my mind. How about... I can't seem to find my way out of... An enema? What? Would you like an enema? Existentially, I'm... Essential Essentially, I'm... Organic teas.
2: Oh. With friends like
1: I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying. This guy is clearly nuts, but he is desperate and he's paying. Statistically, he might as well be sitting home and praying. For all the good that I can do, I don't have a freaking clue what I'm doing. Though there are things that we just don't know.
2: sure how this will help. just
1: want to get to the bottom of it.
2: I'm stuck. I'm just stuck. I have a PhD. Finally. In psychiatric
0: pharmacology. I specialize in mental illness. Good. In cows. Let's treat your depression with a course of fluoxetol. I'm not depressed.
2: You're not?
1: No. You must be delusional. So take some asopromazine and
2: a couple of focapramazine. Quietly, I'd advise you to try this tranquilizer,
1: although maybe you should just take half. Okay. It says whole ones for cows. I'm not a... And half for calves. I don't even know if I believe what I'm
2: saying. This guy is clearly nuts, but he is desperate and he's paying. Statistically,
1: he might as well be sitting home and praying. For all the good that I can do, I don't have a freaking clue. In my medicine cupboard, there's a bunch of L1 hoppers. And they shouldn't take long We just need a sample Of your stool and your semen You have Satan
2: within you We must exercise your demons Take this pill, read this book Eat your
1: vegetables uncooked It's your karma, it's just toxins It's for constipated oxen.
0: So I'm here with uh, the man behind that song, uh, Tim Minchin. How's it go? <laughs> That's Tim Minchin. <laughs> and also uh, Justin D. Wright, who uh, famous for the Good One theme song, <laughs> among other things. And we're going to talk about Stuck from the Groundhog Day musical. Before we start, I wanted to kind of back up a little bit to provide context before we talk about Stuck specifically. I believe the story goes uh, right after you finished the music for Matilda, uh, director Matthew Warchus. Warchus, Warchus, Warchus Brought up the idea of the Groundhog Day musical, and I've heard you say you immediately said yes to it. So why did it immediately make sense to you? Well, partly because I probably would have said, no, well,
3: I was going to say I would have said yes to whatever Matthew suggested next, because I had (laughs) such a a huge experience, a a sort of transformative artistic experience working with him, because he's such a... Nerd, such a, <laughs> a, a artist scientist, you know, which makes me horny. And yeah, um, yeah. I guess we—it was almost a tacit understanding that we'd go and go again. We'd try something else, but also I, I have quite strong reactions to stories and whether or not they should be made into musicals. And and especially with things that are famous as films, I'm very wary of them. But Groundhog Day, I've always felt—I mean, the the films unbelievable and and Bill Murray's amazing and we all know he's a god and stuff. But the film for me felt, it was brilliant because it was so light Mm -hmm. and funny and romantic despite the fact that its underpinning premise was an existential nightmare, (laughs) slasher, an examination of what it is to be a human slasher, a sort of meaning of life film. It immediately struck me that the film was not the only legitimate way to approach that text Mm. and that theatre is the perfect place for it because theatre always has a slight sense of firstly these humans you're watching are repeating everything exactly like they did last night or maybe not trying to find variations in repetition Mm -hmm. and secondly because there's you know since long before Beckett but you know most famously Beckett and then Stoppard who was very much inspired by Beckett this notion that that the players are trapped in a on mm-hmm. the stage and that the this idea that all the way back to Will saying we're all players, you know, yeah. um that our lives are like a, a play in which we're all cast and we're not quite sure about the parameters and you know, we come on and do our bit and go off again and all that sort of meta
0: stuff attracted me. So that so immediately that connection kind of drew you to it, which was that it could be done, kind of that both ways.
3: Yeah, a little bit, and 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 look, in the end, the the show we ended up with it doesn't lean on the meta very much at all. It's there if you're looking for it, and especially with the Nancy song, it's cracked open. Yeah. But um, in the end, Matthew,
0: as as always, was right. You know, you need the audience to invest in the people. You don't yeah. want them investing in the concept. Like anything, and like the movie itself, right? You're you're trying to whatever figure out whatever the balance is between yeah. it being this thing that motivates you to to do a very heady, very thoughtful and deep work, and try to figure out a way of doing it in the broadest possible way. You're not trying yeah. to do uh, "Waiting for Godot," one no. you could, but you're no. trying to do it in a, a, if anything, an adaptation of a movie, which is sort of the most cynically treated of like Broadway fair.
3: Yeah, that's right. And and trying to, of course, when you're doing film to stage adaptation, because we're still nervous about that, you're you're always trying to prove that you. <laughs> It's a legitimate choice, yeah did you read so you you read the screenplay when you started well, we Danny came with sort of Got not it. just the screenplay, although we did eventually sort of see the the shooting script, but he came with he, he had already been working on this idea for years, sort yeah, of squirreling away, beavering away <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he sort of had a structure, and then we broke it down to sticky notes, which is how
0: I read Danny had some ideas, and you had some ideas, and you met together. Were any of your original ideas in it or any, like how much of it, was it essentially you both came ideas and you came with something completely new or how much of, did you, did what you start with and then kind of how did it evolve to this, this sticky note, sticky noting? I'm not really sure,
3: partly because of memory and, you know, just we, we've been working on it for so long. The narrative you have about how it all came about is so distorted yeah. by, by the time it gets on stage. But I, I don't know, I didn't. I came with high concept ideas. I came with ideas about what are the what are the themes of this thing? So what are we going to be singing about? Because that's why a musical's an interesting form is because you can dig down. And if you get it right, you dig down without it becoming ugh, saccharine or overly sentimental or overly um, didactic or overt, you know. Ground, Groundhog Day, the movie didn't dig down much at all, the themes shimmered underneath if they were there for you if you wanted them. The musical necessarily is going to dig down harder and I was trying to work out where we would dig. Where are the big emotional moments? What would he sing about? And so I guess I came with ideas that we definitely want a song that bridges his multiple suicides and what would that song be and all that sort of thing. I, I think I just came wanting to have this discussion we're having now, to have the discussion about what, what does this mean and what's yeah. what's going to be funny and what's going to be interesting and how do we make people laugh and cry and think. And Danny came with probably a lot more ideas than Danny understood early, partly because we sort of said to him and partly because I think he intuitively <laughs> understood that he he had to not bring too much of his ideas to me because it it's really damaging for me to look at someone else's lyrics or someone else's ideas for songs because I can't, That's maybe the only thing I'm any good at really is having ideas about who sings what when. Mm -hmm. So if someone else has done that, it's going to muddy my ability to see with clarity what what those ideas will be. So I think we kind of came with our baggage but didn't bring it into the room too much. So the sticky notes were pretty early. you know,
2: It's interesting. Musically, there's no homage or anything to the movie or anything like that. Maybe somebody going to see the musical might expect something like that. Is there a way that you wipe wipe that expectation out or or do you even care? Like,
3: um, important? Well I was very very clear very early on I, I guess the discussion came up but it lasted about five seconds about whether <laughs> I got you babe would be on the radio <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and I was like nope next question <laughs> because you have to create your own musical world every single note in, in this musical is a piece in a puzzle and it, it is related to a whole lot of other things in it that this even more than Matilda is a it's 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 a weird mixture because it's it has a elements of pastiche because I I did make this decision that his changes of state of mind would match certain musical styles so mm-hmm. the joyous anarchic hedonism of nobody cares is fast bluegrass and mm-hmm. his suicide song is sort of kind of a wanky um I don't know linkin parky <laughs> yeah. grunge and and you know he lands in Americana he he eventually when he comes to peace with his time and place it lands on this very gentle Americana. and so it has pastiche, but it, but through all that is very strict harmonic r- restrictions. It, it has a palette, so nobody cares, and tomorrow are basically the same song, and night will come and and hope are the same song, which is also the same harmonic basis as, Dum da da da, da 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 the musical theme. and so it's all a piece, and but but we do. we, we aimed we said we need people to forget about the movie in the first five minutes. And obviously they'll be like, oh, that's like that. There's the yeah. qu- alarm clock going mm-hmm. off, but I think we did a from what I from feedback, I think we did a pretty good job. But apart from anything else, it starts with free jazz, like like chaos, and then goes into this sort of bucolic, like it it really it almost literally is designed to scramble people's expectations. You know,
0: you mentioned themes because you know I, I've heard you say that you an early breakthrough was your decision to not have sort of musical themes running throughout it. but as you said there were certain yeah. moments if you can kind of ex- explain that especially that distinction because I think yeah. especially to people who like me that maybe is less clear of like what that and if you want you even can play yeah. <laughs> different <laughs> yeah, parts yeah. but um, <laughs> what is the distinction between sort of like a classic uh, musical's use of theme and, and sort of what you were trying to do
3: well I think I think um I think what we ended up what I understood
0: earlier is that it is,
3: it is a classical musical. The fact that the action repeats doesn't change, didn't change my approach to composition, because the kind of breakthrough was going, oh, hold on. Musical repetition is normal in musicals. So if we're trying to say to the audience, oh, this is weird that this world is repeating. This is dissonant. We're in the protagonist's point of view and we're going, oh shit, that dude was there yesterday.'" slowly revealing that the world is is repeating, then a musical repetition in that is not going to help us with our dissonance. What helps us is a re- repetition of action and spoken word and dialogue. Yeah. So it's that that repeats. His The music represents his state of mind, so what he's singing changes because, of course, if you wake up the next day, the whole point is he he's not repeating. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's the premise of the movie. So if he's not repeating... And he's having a, a dissonant or anxiety ridden reaction to the world which is. Then of course the music must be with him. But that said, the notion that days are repetitive in life is is sort of supported by the fact that when he gets up on the second day, it's back to doom, 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 dum dum into Phil's theme, which is like, okay, alright, bloody hell, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm getting up. I'm going to go home to Pittsburgh today. And then that gets interrupted as he starts noticing what's wrong with the world. And so, but then the town's music does repeat. There is a lot of repetition in the musical, probably not more than um, many, many musicals. But you are meant to get to the end of the first three days, you know, the first repeated three days feeling like, get me the fuck out of here, yeah. you know, especially because the town's music's deliberately, annoyingly musical theater. I don't know if everyone feels that, but I'm like, that punk a ton. And who is that emerging from his borough? You're meant to go, no, don't, I don't want to hear that again, you know.
0: Which gets us too stuck because it has many roles in it. So you, you mentioned you kind of have an outline of some sort and there's these, you know, note cards. You know what yeah. would it say on stuck? Both, I guess, story wise, but also music wise, what is happening at that moment?
3: Well, the interesting thing about stuck is it used to be called
0: experts, and
3: it didn't get in the musical till the very last um, <laughs> workshop. So, so on our original beat sheet, sticky notes on a window, songs are coloured, and y- you know, dialogues yellow, yellow beats, and pinker songs, and and so. It went from the the mega setup, Small Town USA 1, Small Town USA 2, Small Town USA 3, to Nobody Cares. and We knew that whatever happened after we were released from that Mm -hmm. anxiety ridden, oh my God, this place is annoying, we needed it to be awesome fun for the audience to be able to go on a wild car ride, which is what Nobody Cares is. The tune and harmonic basis of Nobody Cares has been set up by tomorrow. So by the time you get there, you're like, you don't know you know it because people don't notice that shit. But you subconsciously, you've heard tomorrow spring will come. So when they go, nobody cares what I'm doing, that you're like, woo, I, this feels <laughs> yeah. familiar and yeah. we're off, you know. And so I understood that we needed a great release. And this experts beat we felt like, oh, we probably don't need it. Like, obviously, what you would do if you woke up three days in a row to find the world repeating is you'd seek some fucking help. And if you're in a small town, what would that help be? That was the premise of that beat. That's why it's called experts, a little bit in inverted commas, the way our (laughs) ridiculous leaders use the term experts now. And sort of the the working hypothesis was that it was a potential song, but probably not. Yeah. And so I we went three workshops without it and Matthew eventually went, I reckon just write it to see what it is. And it was like a, because I went, well, Matthew, the thing is, this falls bang in my comedy wheelhouse. Because if you're in a small town mm. and you're looking for expertise, what you'll find <laughs> is a bloody crystal healer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that has been a big part of my comedy is this sort of, you know, data driven hilarity. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, fine, write it. And so I wrote it in, you know, a day.
0: So are you starting with music or are you starting with lyrics? Are you starting with phrases? Well, I don't know. I, I think by the time I sat down to
3: write it, I thought that stuck would be a good thing because we've just experienced his stuckness. And what I thought is, can we make this funny and fun, but still suspend it? So I had two ideas. One, that it would be a series of quacks sort of thing, and not not just naturopaths and healers, but also a pharmacologist who over-prescribes and, you know, <laughs> a religious, various religious people, which also small towns tend to have a few of. So I had that idea. And the other was that wouldn't it be good if me, because I went, oh, we still want nobody cares to be the bush, to be the woo we're out, we're, yeah. we're still in, but we're at least out of that. We're like him. We've realized there's joy to be had in yes. this, you know, and I didn't want to blow that. I didn't want to go, oh, Stuck releases them, and then nobody cares what's its job, musically mm. and emotionally. So I thought we should suspend it. And, and so I had this idea that it should never get to the one chord, which is what it does. It just goes... It's what it does the whole time, but it doesn't feel that annoying. <laughs> yeah. but you, you, and again, people in the audience who, who aren't musicians wouldn't ever notice that it never goes... Which is what you want. But they feel it. Yeah. They would feel the suspension. And also it's arranged and always was meant to be arranged as a sort of bossa. And it was and, and orchestrated with like Casio keyboard sound. So it's basically <laughs> you're stuck in an elevator yeah. listening to this tune. And it's quite gentle, but it just hovers, 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 hovers. So when, when at the very end it goes, um, karma, toxin, Edinburgh oxen, da 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 and the boys go, Alcohol, and then you go. And then you're onto your one, and yeah. then you're finally <laughs> yeah, you're doing your bluegrassy thing. You're just hard on piano. Yeah,
2: I thought that was so <laughs> that was so fun. Just like because uh, you were stuck, but it was such a soothing, nice like there's yeah, something really happy. just like nice about the bossa nova. And they're they're obviously trying to help him yeah to various levels of success. And maybe, he's
3: but... so susceptible to suggestion because he's just like just bring it and on he's, try, head, he's but... trying. He's like stop. He's trying to unpack it. You know he's already done you know one, I'm still sleeping and this I'm just dreaming it earlier on the unpacking for it's a flashback from when I was 20 and I ate magic mushrooms and thought I was Aquaman he's he's already done that sort of unpacking but now he's just like he's getting a bit high concept and i've chucked in a vonnegut quote you know from Slaughterhouse 5 billy pilgrim is unstuck in time you know that i'm being, i get to be a bit of a wanker i mean I obviously clearly i'm a wanker <laughs> and, um but uh I get to put a couple of those high concept quotes in there because he's he's like, oh, what what the hell's going on? And they're going, you know what you need is an enema, and because <laughs> because uh, the pe- people who um, advertise their expertise that they, they only have the tools they have, sort of thing. You talked
2: a lot about the the different genres that are kind of bopping around through the
1: uh, you yeah, know, through the, PC, whole,
2: yeah, yeah. the whole piece. So Bossa Nova in particular, obviously it's a fan favorite, you know, millions and millions of people love it more than anything on earth. Yeah, Why yeah. Bossa Nova and Casio keyboard sounds specifically for this. Especially now hearing that your creative process, this is like kind of one of the, the ones. last ones that got slided slay. I think
3: I knew it had to be funny and, and although it never resolves it couldn't be dis- dissonant until the end when it when the the three over two things. So his Panic starts rising back so that we get tension into nobody cares. My my favourite bit of the musical might be when that happens. When the um so they're going, um I not know if I believe what I'm saying and he's going do and the drums going and he's doing ba and it's really and the bass is going, do the and, and, and I love that. I really love that as a bit of a sort of fusion nerd at times. It in my was life. such a
2: chaotic moment, <laughs> yeah. definitely. And it blew into into the next song, definitely. And so this was this was like a surprise last, last minute slide and yeah. such an effective way to
3: Yeah, I'm I mean it's in hindsight, of course, these often when you're making something like this like like in Matilda Naughty, the the her kind of I want song was a last workshop thing. You you just Sometimes you know something needs to be there and you don't want to write it until you know exactly what it is because mm-hmm. you just think, well, well, fuck it up if... And so until we had seen the structure of the first act, we didn't know whether... Just because there's lots of things you would do if you were stuck in a time loop. You don't have to do them all on stage. Yeah. You know, people, people are happy to suspend their disbelief, um, especially The of Day, which makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> and never explains itself in any way. Um, but I... But of course, in hindsight, of course, we need this song. We need a proper series of laughs, not just a car chase and a release. Yeah. But like, um, punchlines, actual laugh moments, because nobody cares. It's got a whole lot of fun lyrics in it, but there's no time to yeah. laugh. And in fact, the, as it turns out, the staging of it's so absurdly, sort of, um, uh, overwhelming that you no one's listening to the lyrics at all. <laughs> That's what the album's for.
2: So when she mentions. The Enema, this is yeah. the first time the soloist is like jumping an octave. Yeah, uh, I guess my question was, like um, an I was, yeah, <laughs> having um, are there, are there other musical metaphors for enema perhaps you could have used, or is there specifically the octaves? I don't <laughs> know,
3: like? I, I um, are there others
2: within the, animal,
3: the what would you like? An enema, I don't think I, don't I mean, there's a circus, I mean, the, the I think octaves are funny, because um, it's very simple. And also there's a bit of a in in, a in in an octave jump. It's like, oh, because he then goes whoop. Like, um, it's so stupid. Firstly, I think 80% of the audience miss it. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm used to that. Anyway, the end joke was my friend H. Anthony Hildebrand, who's, who I'd started doing comedy with years ago. And it's, it's probably been done by lots sure. of people. With friends like these, who needs enemies? Who needs enemies? with friends like these? But it's such a dumb pun that yes. I did two things. One, I didn't dare finish the line. I cut it off. And two, I made it literally, <laughs> you know. I literally did the circus phrase, <laughs> as in, I know I'm being a dick. But, that, that's it. but there's choreography of people with a hose. Like, it's so, people just really laugh at that. And we need it by that stage in the
0: piece. Yeah, I was going to ask, and I want to talk about lyrics a little bit more later, but there are essentially two puns really there's that and then there's the bottoms i can add... yeah,
3: yeah yeah um and, and loosen you up
0: and... and i actually wasn't sure because and i didn't know if there was like a, a regional thing in so much as like in the united states puns only exists kind of ironically and i didn't yeah. know yeah and i didn't know if like if you're sort of like playing having it both ways and sort of in like musicals there's a certain sort of leeway given to plays on word. Yeah. so i was trying to think what was your intention with that and it seems like it was to knowing that it was bad well Certainly, who needs enemies with friends like this is, but I, I I know what you mean puns
3: are p- puns and you don't laugh at puns you you do, but you laugh because you're laughing a step away you're laughing yes. at that that one mm-hmm. did it. the normal responses are grown, and some but my, I often gasp in admiration <laughs> at, at a good pun i oh yes yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm a huge obviously my whole career is built on mucking around with words and I have no shame in puns. But it's all about the, the level at which you're pitching your comedy is a bit needs-based. It's needs-driven. Where are we at at that point in the musical and what sort of jokes do we need? And obviously Stark has a lot of proper social comment in it. I mean, sure. it's like, it's it's calling naturopaths quacks. I mean, it, there'll be plenty of people in the audience feeling put, put off by that. Yeah, Which is... A, you know, you've got to be willing to just like, you know, Book of Mormon has a song called Fuck You, God. You can't, you can't not say your thing just because you're going to lose some audience. Yeah. But, but you, you also mitigate any discomfort with silliness and, and make sure people go, it's all right, we're just playing, you know, it's fine. We'll
0: be back to talk about the specific jokes uh, right after this word from our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by TNT's Will, which premieres on, on TNT on July 10th. Uh, it tells the story of a young William Shakespeare in his wild and sexy twenties. It was created by frequent Baz Luhrmann collaborator Craig Pierce. Uh, it was created by frequent Baz Luhrmann collaborator Craig Pierce. Uh, and in honor of it, I wrote this monologue as a dedication, uh, and so to it. And I, I wrote it by myself for this for this show uh, for you. Um, and so I've been practicing it, and I hope you really enjoy and appreciate. It. Uh, all the work I put into it and here we go to watch will or to not watch will that is the question whether tis nobler in the mind to watch will the slings and arrows of our outrageous fortune or to take arms against the TNT network and by opposing end them to die to watch will no more and by watching will we say to the end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to tis a consummation Devoutly to watched. To die, to watch Will, to watch Will, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that show of Will, what dreams may come. When we have shuffled off to TNT, must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. Will premieres on TNT on July 10th. Are you ready?
3: Yeah back it's hot a little bit sweaty <laughs> yes in kind of like erotic way
0: in a, in a little erotic you know we, we kind of got the music so let's talk about kind of lyrics and the jokes and the lyrics so you have sort of the music idea mm-hmm. how are you as a sort of writer of lyrics are you kind of writing rewriting what is your sort uh, yeah, of basic process
3: i think i i all my songs are are written at the piano just mucking like uh trying stuff so i tend to have a hook and it, it's some it's embarrassing. I can't do it with anyone in the room because it's like it literally be like I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck,
1: stuck, baby. <clears throat> you know, like it's just
3: yeah. like, like fiddling around, like yeah. looking around because I 'cause I don't score I don't write um dots. So the lyrics I I I always have a laptop on a piano and I'm just typing mm-hmm. everything not Often not even rhymy early yeah. on, or you, you just it's rhymes pop into your head, so you are just chucking whatever. Yeah, you know, I love. I, I obviously am shameless in my use of rhyme, not all the time, but um, uh, I, I get a lot of joy out of all that stuff, and yeah, and uh, it's you know not the only way to write songs, but it's the way I write songs, and uh, so I'm looking for all those fun words and assonance and alliteration, and like in a song like in a comedy song like yeah. this, I'll be looking for all that joy, all the Tripping me off the tongue stuff, and and just writing and trying stuff and going okay, so and then once you get one verse, then you go all right, well take it and let's (laughs) see, do it again and see what the next person is singing about. And I I was aware, uh, you know, I had a list of, I mean, and there will there'll be a document in my laptop with twelve pages of lyrics for this song. There's always the 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 documents always look like the first page is like the finished product and all my Mm -hmm. off. Cuts are all down the pages. That's so know. funny, and and there'll be whole verses about other practitioners yeah. of some description. But I, I settled on these guys because the jokes were there, and also because it's sort of balanced. It starts as a criticism of sort of non-scientific based modes of healing, and goes diet, then I mean Reiki, and then then naturopath, and then and then it kind of surprises everything. people by going into a, a, someone a, a pharmacologist, and then. And then it's AA, which yeah. is also not hugely based on science. And then there's um, Scientology, Scientology, and it sort of descends <laughs> towards uh, Christianity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: Eventually falls on not, not you know proselytizing preacher, healing preacher. <laughs> Let's talk about rhymes. Uh, you mentioned it. There's a, you, there's a, there's a good amount of kind of slant rhymes or almost rhymes, which some musical theater people have a real problem with.
3: What like um. Like the Ogden Nashy forced rhyme stuff.
0: yeah, or even like gluten and, and solution, right? Yeah, They're right. different, they are rhymes, kind of, but not in a sort of like very strict sense. Yeah. I wanted to know if you could care so, or how so do you care?
3: Gluten is the smarter solution. I mean, my god, I it's, mean, it seems rightful, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like and hip hop is really yes. has t- taken us all forward to realize that. Not only do you not need it to be a perfect rhyme, you barely need to get anywhere near the word. Yes. If, because if you're, if you're talking, if your hip-hop is going like this and you go to a ball, then you've got to go to the And those two things, it's more about where you're putting the intonation of your voice and how you're emphasizing the thing. And they could just share an almost, almost yeah.
0: rhyme in common. And I think, if anything, musical comedy, as you do it, in, in a more popular sense demands more surprise than a classic rhyme would offer because there's only so many.
3: Yeah, you can not want to see it perfectly. coming
0: yes. too much.
3: But also, I mean, rhyme should never get in the way of intent. You're, you're always yeah. trying to do all the things at once. I mean, every song in Groundhog Day, maybe not every song, but they all work to forward the story in a chronological narrative sense. They all work to illuminate the state of mind of the person singing it. And they all comment on the world at large. So nobody cares as a song about how disenfranchised people feeling powerless have anarchic tendencies. That's so you have Donald hmm. Trump, you know. And and stuck is about the notion that people who have um disorders or chronic pain or whatever that can't be cured by conventional medicine uh, fall victim to people who say quantum quantum. Um, And, you know, so all the songs are doing all these things and uh, that's what you hope. I mean, that's my ambition. I'm I'm in no position to claim success or failure. But uh, similarly, you want the language to be joyous and fun to listen to. And, you know, if you listen to Lin-Manuel, I mean, he's obviously the all-reigning superhero now and we're all just sort of playing around in his shadow, but but there's joy in, in yeah. the words. He's having fun with the words, but at no point does the having fun with the words compete with the comedy or the story intent or even the satire, you know? And so it's all supporting each other. So something like, I think cutting out gluten is a smarter solution that are a diet of soup. And even like if we're going to analyze it, That are a diet... There's a lot of reverse rhythmic stuff in Mm -hmm. in Groundhog Day, actually. A lot of, like, you have Satan within you, you must exercise your demons. It goes upside down, and there's a lot of that. It's something I sort of got into around the time I was writing this. So, that are a diet of soup... Is a very unusual place to close the phrase down. It's, like, a bit sideways. And he goes, soup made from rhino foreskin, and you... All all that fun cutting out gluten is a It comes from a Latinese sort of, and it, all, all these decisions are intuitive and just part of the fun of having played music for many many years and yeah. having written silly songs for many 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 years. It's all deliberate, but it's n- none of it's overthought, and it all is in support of of the moment when the laugh comes. And I try not to think about
0: why. I just try to make myself laugh. I think. This scene somewhat exists in the movie in so much as there's a scene where he goes to a, a medical doctor and then he goes to a, a psychologist. Um, in the film? Yeah, the, oh. but it's just kind of like, it's played more a little bit more straight and just because I think there's a, a need that you have to... To so he s- Yes, yes. And yeah. I think, but what you do is a little bit different in so much as, I think because I think anyone who's, you have to tell the audience that there's not going to be an answer or, Mm -hmm. and I think what your song does better than it does in the movie or differently, but let's say better because I already said better (laughs) Um, is, is not only just say he doesn't find answers, but to communicate to the audience that searching for answers to sort of the idea of why this is happening is, is futile. Yeah. Don't, don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in saying,
3: well, what's the force that did this? And what are the logistics of this? You know, and the movie does that very well. It yeah. just says, oh, "Don't worry about that. That's not. That's not what this is about." But yeah, I guess that's
0: that's a that is a thing. Um, well, I mean, to take a step further, it, it ultimately then in a similar cons- sort of like beckety way, a, a, a satire of looking for meaning in things in general, right? There's yeah. a there's a emptiness to their existence, which is like there's a he's searching for answers where there's no. Answer. In a, in yeah, a,
3: that's right. Well, they that say that will never come. They say, and, and interesting. So, so the the idea that this, so, so, if we talk about Groundhog Day as a humanist text, we only have one life, and there's no punishment or reward afterwards. There is no tomorrow. There is no posthumous existence. No soul. Then we, the wisdom of Groundhog Day, among depending on how you want to interpret it, because obviously there's a Buddhist interpretation too, which relies on the idea that this life still to come, but. If it's a humanist text, to the extent that it is, if you want it to be, it's saying just be kind, because that will make you happy and the people around you happy, and then you'll you'll be able to in and the whole seeing you, the whole conclusion of this musical is a very gentle thing. It's it's not a grand it's yeah. not a, a grand bumper sticker. It's just it, the the Proustian the the journey's not to find new places but to see things with new eyes or whatever that quote is. And so then you reverse engineer that. I mean, obviously my sort of worldview is very um, well-known among people who give a shit about my work. (laughs) I I haven't been um, quiet about how I see the world. And although I, I didn't try and impose that on this musical, of course I come to this musical with all my stuff. So they say that the doctors and naturopaths and healers and Religious leaders in stuck say, I, I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying. This guy is clearly nuts, but he is desperate and he's paying. That, that, that's pretty cynical. That's a cynical reading. Yes. But they say, They're desperate and he's saying statistically, you may as well be sitting home and praying. That's a pretty mean thing to say. All <laughs> oh, the good that I can do, I don't have a freaking clue what I'm doing. Though there are things that we just don't know, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't give giving an answer yeah. a go. So that line is that's... the interesting point, which is science as we explore the parameters of what we of our knowledge of what we know of our universe that the thing we're stuck in the the world we observe which is what Phil's journey is he has to try and figure it out later on he says I'm a god this is my dominion he he goes through lots of I need to exploit this I need to I need to get out of this I need to kill myself so that I don't have to exist at all and then I'm a god and then um oh I need to improve people's lives, and then a virtuosity, you know, then, oh, oh, I'm going to control this. I'm going to control this world. And then, oh, I can't control death, and then out the other end. But to the extent that we're all sitting in this universe about which we know a tiny amount, an amazing huge amount, but a tiny percentage probably, not even 9% of what the (laughs) universe is made of, it's it's an interesting line because science says just because we don't know, we, we should examine it. And no, non-science or sort of um, superstitious modes of belief say, we don't know, so let's make it up. Yeah. <laughs> let's tell stories about it. Now, you can be cynical about that and look at the places where that's damaging, but there's no doubt that humankind has benefited from this book, Sapiens, that everyone's been reading. It makes a very clear point about this. Without shared narratives, yeah, we would have eaten each other alive <laughs> when, when, as soon as we came more than seventy person troops of of primates we would have killed each other and except shared narratives came about and the, the main shared narrative now is money capitalism and it's a very functional one to keep, keep humans from it's actually money is the root of all good because it's the shared narrative we all go it's yeah. all right we all want this prosperity and growth you know and without that we'd we'd all have killed each other but this so there, there it's all it, I, I don't only think that shared fictional narratives are bad, but I do actually believe very, very passionately that shared fictional narratives in people's health is bad. So which is why I'm critical of it. I don't know why I've got a chip on my shoulder. I guess I'm a doctor's son. Yeah, that's what I was going to I think yeah. that's probably why. Was, but I'm just like, you can't you, don't, you can't just vaguely read the word quantum and say a oh, homeopathy works in quantum. The people studying quantum physics
0: don't think it works like this. Yeah, so you don't just steal it and use it for your thing. You know, it's interesting because that is that was the line I was going to ask you about. It's my favorite line. It could be read multiple ways, and it feels like it. It feels just as much as a the satire. These people are just kind of blindly kind of going through this existence they have. But there's also something to like. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what we ha- you know what we have to do, which is sort of like the non-answer is the answer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
3: it, it functions in the musical as a, as a comic relief and, as you say, getting through that beat where we, as the audience, say, well, wouldn't he seek help? We we need to sort of understand why he stops seeking help. We need to understand that he's he hit, hit a wall. And I, I'm doing a little satire about, about how people who have incurable problems get, you know. Do, do you own anyone who's got cancer and... The shit they suddenly get in their inbox. I mean, it's, it's, they should all be in jail, you know. But, um, so, so there's that, there's that sort of activism side of the song. But I think the interesting thing about something, something, quantum, quantum is that for the vast, vast majority of us who understand that quantum physics has advanced (laughs) Einsteinian physics, which advanced Newtonian physics, yeah, most of us can sort of get our head a little bit around Newton. Nearly none of us can get our head around. Mm -hmm. Einstein, and a tiny percentage, even the people who study it, only have a tentative grasp on the quantum. And so something, something, quantum, quantum is sort of the meaning of life, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, like, it's like, well, if you dig far enough down to what what are we doing
0: here and ha- how do we exist and stuff, the answer is something, something, quantum, quantum. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you mentioned, that you know, this song, partly when I was thinking, when we're talking about songs to maybe do for this and also just listening to it, it's like, this is. The, of the musical, this song, and it's hard because there's multiple parts, but it feels so much like a song that would fit in your sort of catalog of, of things. But this song specifically and then the musical, you know, how, how does it fit when you think about it in terms of, of your sort of catalog of music and your, your career? And so much as like this is a work that started with this one guy's idea and there's one popular perception of it. Mm-hmm. And then you had to take it on. And now that it kind of exists. Yeah. How do you feel like this fits into... Uh, your career and your specific, how does it, what is your relationship to it in that regard? It's an interesting question
3: at this stage in my life, the answer to which would not necessarily interest everyone, <laughs> only because I'm in such a strange place. Because I've, because this thing happened to me a couple of months ago where the project I've been working on for the last four years got taken off me. This film that I've moved my family to LA, I've given up so much for. Mm-hmm. And it's I've been I've been less happy in the last two months than I've been in my life, and I'm a you know perfectly well guy, and I I'm I'm so blessed with my mental health, and so when I say unhappy, I mean like just furious and sad and and confused because I'm like, well, what the hell does that three and a half years mean? When I gave up touring and I gave up acting roles and I gave up writing other amazing musicals that are now gonna how do I how do I contextualize that? It's very weird, and so Groundhog Day, and then Groundhog Day came to Broadway and didn't didn't initially hit mm-hmm. you know and i was just vomiting with anxiety you know to think that the two things i've spent the last five years doing like i thought oh shit like groundhog day it open in london did 10 weeks this couldn't have been more successful and it hits broadway and it's like people going yeah it's fun yeah and i was like and then and then the ticket sales not um, anyway it's a as it happens, I believe the way it's gone is the is the perfect way because purely word of mouth it's just grown and grown and grown and now is um and then the Tony nominations and all that. And so I'm feeling better now. But it's been fucking weird. And I know I need to I know and I did you know, when this movie shut down I came to New York and did a gig because my instinct is I've got to get back behind the piano and sing songs because that's that makes sense and that's within my control, you know. That's where my power is, and so that's what I'm going to do more of in the next year. But the the parallel thing about Matilda and my writing for theatre thing, which which way predated and will postdate my comedy career. I mean, my comedy career really was six years long. Mm-hmm. My writing for theatre career is now twenty three years long. It's just that it was all amateur, and you know, no one cared about <laughs> yeah. it for, for the first fifteen. So I'm I'm just starting my journey as a composer. I, I desperately want to tackle more things like this. And I feel like Groundhog Day, uh, it's very hard for me to have any understanding. Like I hate it, my score, just because I hate, everyone hates everything they make, you know. But I, on one side of my brain and the other side, I love it. And I think it's a real step forward for me. I think it's complex and interesting and fun and funny in a way. And I want my next one to, I want to get better. And what, I want to keep doing both, all, all, all the things I like
0: doing. Can you think of specifically what you, you learned from it, both sort of living in the text, but also sort yeah. of having to be the person that created this thing and live up to the text that you have yeah. revered?
3: I'm okay at uh, not... I wasn't cowed by the text or worried. I didn't spend much time worrying about... Mm-hmm. When I'm writing stuff, I there's enough challenge in just trying to figure out how the thing goes without worrying about the other stuff. there's no doubt Matilda has damaged me in terms of the notion of success. You know, (laughs) like when your first musical does really well, it's very hard to know how, how to be cool with a, you know, I think Groundhog Day might run longer than Matilda in America, um, and so hopefully it will be yeah. just as good. But you, but it's, I, I was very aware. I was like, well, Matilda might be my biggest thing ever, and that's fine. I mean, Jesus, hashtag blessed. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> so it's totes hashtag blessed. But um, the thing with Groundhog Day, again, acknowledging the sort of con- conceitedness of this and the wankiness, is that Matthew and I and Danny and Matthew and I and Dennis with Matilda, we're trying to make musical theatre where the score and the dialogue are integrated and the ideas are complex and that the audience gets to have their cake and eat it if they want, that they can have a really fun time, walk in, have a great time, laugh and feel emotional, walk out and never think about it again. Or they can walk in and binge on the ideas and come and see it five times and Mm -hmm. still be noticing stuff. Or they can go write their thesis on it. Like we, we want, we believe that you can talk about big ideas in musicals. By the way, this year on Broadway is the most incredible vindication of that. I mean, we are not in the Tonys up against tits and teeth. We're up against three shows that are high concept, digging into contemporary emotional and political states. It's awesome time. I mean it's a bitch that it's so competitive <laughs> um uh but it's a great time and and Matthew and I are really keen on that so so I guess to get to your question, what I've learned is that is that we will keep trying to write popular theater that arrests and is not feeding the audience candy is not yeah. only giving them what they expected is not actually we're not writing in order to please some pre-existing notion of the audience, which is what I've learned about Hollywood is most executives and people in Hollywood cannot, cannot stop themselves having these reactive bad science. They, they look at the data and go, well, Minions earned a billion dollars. We, we need more yellow things, like bad science, <laughs> yeah. bad correlations. You know, I mean, Minions is great, but the, the, that just means all the executives of animated studios are like, well, this isn't like Minions. Shit. Fail <laughs> out. You know, It's it really is that. Yeah. I mean, they're not that dumb, but it, that's what's driving their, their decisions. And I just don't believe in it. I think the audience will. You, you make art that you think is interesting and fun and beautiful, and, and the audience will either come or they want. That's our job. <laughs>
0: So uh, that sound means it's time for the laughing round. So it's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a laughing I round. I don't get it. Start again. So uh, you know how there's lightning rounds? In America, there's a thing called a lightning round yeah, in no, game show. It, yeah, yeah. So uh, laughing is... Uh, What's laughing? So uh, when you when you do jokes, <laughs> uh, some people laugh, and uh-huh. then so you, uh, you smush them. Yeah. You do a smush. I uh, know between if...
3: lightning and Yeah, yeah. Laughing? So then you make
0: a laughing round. Okay, laugh. tell me one more time. So um, I was thinking... What's lightning? So lightning... <laughs> It's the George physical, f- visual <laughs> manifestation of whatever thunders or v- vice versa. <laughs> and then um, – and I guess it implies quickness because it's so uh-huh. fast. Oh, I see. So then people are like, oh, we'll put it at the end of a game show to uh-huh. be like this is the fast part of the game okay. show. And then laughing because comedy usually – that's the goal – but that can be debated because sometimes that's not the goal. It's this sort of is con- like saying this that...
3: <laughs> little last minute is like a a, a meta comment on sure. the on the whole podcast. It's uh, so,
0: usually people's uh, least favorite part of the podcast. Okay, that's what great. I get Almost uh, well, the most criticism about. So and then so <laughs> you mean the 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 listeners hate it? Some listeners hate it. Uh, some people uh, don't like the sound of the laughing around sound, which is a laugh. And a, a, a lightning bolt. F- yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty harsh. People are mean, man. I mean, you've taken two
3: totally unrelated concepts and yeah. made them one concept. Yeah, I don't yeah, think you, bet you listeners couldn't do that.
0: Yeah, I smushed them so good, and yeah. no one smushed them like I you smushed, smushed them. The crap out of I googled them. laughing route, and I was like, how did no one think of it before? <laughs> and I did. And so then this was my, you know. Mostly, I try to interview people about their jokes. So, like, what is my one joke that anyone will ever know that every, I made, and it's a a smush yes, of so laughter so every <laughs> week.
3: So, so history records it. As yes, yours. so
0: they'll be. Uh...
3: We're all contributing
0: something. Laughing, yes. laughing, it's and it's it really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> laugh, laughing, yeah, laughing. So, uh, lightning rule, lightning round rules usually apply. <laughs> so, working on this as an Australian, <laughs> what was one thing you learned about Pennsylvania from working on? So this is where I give a quick answer. Eh, whatever. A
3: laughing answer. Fast, illuminating, <laughs> and funny. What did I learn about Pennsylvania? That I, don't, that I don't know where any of the states are in America,
0: <laughs> and I'm still not quite sure where it is. So just so you know, most of the rest of the questions are ways to try to trick you into playing piano. Okay. Uh, so let's say you were sitting in front of piano without a plan. Uh, what would you play immediately? I always just go...
3: I do that. I play in A minor, and I and I always, because one of the. So I'm not very good. I mean, I, I'm all right, but um, because um, there's lots of stuff I didn't learn. But for some reason. There's this this thirteenth shape which which I wrote about in the Matilda songbook actually because I'm obsessed by it that thirteenth shape that can become a minor six nine and what just depending on what you're doing with the bass so it's a thirteen there it's a minor six uh, minor six nine there but there it's a dominant seven uh, dominant seven sharp five sharp nine right so it's an altered chord <laughs> and that that shape if you listen so that moment. Is me going from a G with my little finger to a G sharp with my thumb, which is stupid. But for some reason, at some point in my in my training, I just I uh, can't do it. I, I worked out how to arpeggiate that, and it's and it's the stupidest jumpy thing. But I figured out how to do it. And I love doing it. That's um just playing with that third <laughs> So, so I, I find it therapeutic to do.
0: Fun, huh? Yeah, it's great. It sounds somewhat like uh, I'm going into a flashback music. Uh-huh. The classic. Yeah. Hmm. Um
3: that's Matilda.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, I've only got three tricks. <laughs> uh, we've learned one of them. Uh, what is the funniest chord? Well, probably
3: a, 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 a tonic triad. Because, uh, because it's resolution, it's landing, isn't it? Yeah. Like Comedy is about going... Oh, <laughs> 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 you know, if you put a little nine in there, it's probably the resolution of the joke is, is a bit loungy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you do? What is it with women and men? Women are always like. Nah. <laughs> I've heard that, or maybe it was even joking, Stephen Steinheim first wanted to do a Groundhog's Day musical. Yeah. That's if true. you could. What would be your impression of a Sundime version of a Groundhog Day musical?
3: I can't do Sundime version. That's like nearly any other musical theatre composer in the world would be able to do that. Um, uh, how does it go? How does Sundime go? It's like, um, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm stuck in a town. It's... <laughs> I can't do it. It's like If um, a... <laughs> I'm still using my shape. <laughs> yeah. He's a genius. It's very confusing. <laughs> I uh, I went and saw Sunday in the Park with George, with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's bloody amazing.
0: I've never seen that before. He's very good at singing.
3: Yeah, he's really good at or everything. Yeah, yeah, it's just
0: like... Being hot, yeah, acting he, and singing. He's very good at uh, his version of it, you care for this person in a different way. He's yeah. less spiky. He's more yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh no. He's quite sweet. Yeah. I believe you said Judas was the only musical theatre part you really ever wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favourite part? Of Judas? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's when he breaks down. I mean, it's amazing just to go, my mind is clearer now. I mean, and that first, Jesus! is so much fun to um, do. But the main thing is yeah. when he goes the other, and he does, my And then goes, I don't know how to love him. And then goes and hangs himself. (laughs) Oh, man. The hanging in the version I did was so cool. It was really brutal. Trigger trigger warning.
0: This will be the last one. If you were going to play something on the piano that would would close out the podcast, what would that be? (laughs) All right. The end. (laughs) Perfect. That's it for this week's episode of Good One. Brownhog Day is currently running on Broadway at the August Wilson Theater. You can follow Tim Minchin on Twitter at Tim Minchin. Justin D. Wright did our theme song, and you can follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore composer. Good One is produced by Jordan Bell. Write a review and rate the show on iTunes. Five stars, maybe? Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcasts at gmail.com. I am Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Have a good one.